Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Texans Dolphins postgame show. Robert, along with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani, who's at NRG, just came from the locker room. And Sean, this was the exact opposite from the first game. The defense gave up nearly 400 yards. Looked a lot like last year, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, big plays being made, you know, today by the Dolphins. Uh, I, 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 I kind of lost count in the first half, to be honest with you, in terms of the number of plays that they had over 10 yards. You know, they had that 65-yard touchdown run uh, by uh, Salvin Ahmed, who looked fantastic today, to his credit. Uh from a Texans point of view, like you want to give those guys their props and stuff like that. But, you know, I felt like in terms of missed tackles, you know, not wrapping up, not taking good pursuit, good angles, um, hand placement, you know, from stuff on the defensive line, a lot of those little things really showed today. Just a lack of execution, I think, um, is how you can put it in a nutshell when it comes to the Texans defensively. But one thing in terms of, you know, a positive that we saw a complete opposite from today from last week and really over the course of these uh, joint practices with the Dolphins, C.J. Stroud had a little bit more time to throw, and he looked really accurate, made some plays with his feet. So in that regard, I'll take that opposite. I like what I saw from him today. Yeah, we're going to get to C.J. in a bit. I want everybody out there that's watching us get in the comments. We want to hear from you. You can comment. We can look at it. You'll, we'll put it up on the screen. If you got something really good to say, good question, let us know about it. Sean, everybody's wondering, where was Tank Dell? What did you hear from the locker room? Well, I saw Tank in the locker room afterwards. Um, and he looked fine, was in good spirits. You know, CJ was headed to the podium, and he was like, hey, CJ, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you. You know, we need time. I'll call you. <laughs> so I, they, they got some things to go over, I'm sure. But uh, look, CJ was out. He was dressed, warming up with the team. And then he had street clothes on. Um, and so nobody knew what the deal was after the game. We come to find out that uh, CJ was experiencing uh, some tightness in, in a leg. Don't know which one. Uh, but as a precaution, you know, D'Amico Ryan's Texans just decided to hold him out. Um, I didn't see anything wrapped up, bandaged up. I didn't even uh, notice if he was wearing a compression sleeve or anything like that. But um, again, just judging by what little I did see of him, you know, it was a couple minutes in the locker. Looked fine, sounded fine, was moving around okay. Uh, I just think it's precaution. You know, we were talking in the press box, uh, you know, amongst different people um, when you know, we realized, hey, <laughs> Tank's not going to play today. We saw him in street clothes after seeing him in full uniform. Um, maybe they just feel like they'd seen enough from him because I personally feel like I don't I don't know what else I need to see, really, to be honest with you, because he was the most targeted receiver and the most successful receiver in these joint practices against the Dolphins. And literally since day one that he stepped foot on an NFL practice field, he's been one of the best guys out there, one of the most consistent guys out there. So... Personally, I've seen enough. And Sean, Sean I, I wanted to see him just because I just feel like the more the more we see CJ with the actual offense and and getting him in that rhythm, you know. Yeah, I, I totally I, I get that. I get that, and it's not a bad thing. But 
I kind of dumbed it down. I was like, you know what? Well, Damian Pierce didn't get any run last week because they know what he can do. But I think they saw that, hey, uh, we need to get CJ some look with some ones, but we also got to be cautious as well, which at the end of the day, they were. They were cautious with Tank. Hey, feeling a little tight. Well, clearly there's no need to push this guy or really anybody at this stage because, you know, look, you're still four weeks away. Uh, from September 10th, week one, against Baltimore. So let's not be silly about things. Um, You saw Damian get run today, and clearly he needs to work on some things in terms of picking up, uh, you know, the blocks and a pass rush, protecting his quarterback. Uh, The offensive line isn't perfect, even though you did see your starting offensive line at least projected as such, week one, minus Titus Howard, who, hey, update on him, uh, he got rid of the hard cast already which I think he only wore that darn thing for about a week. So he was in uh, like a soft wrap today, which is a good sign. Uh, Looking like if that's the case, you know, he should be ready for week one. But I I think it's it's a fine line. We're seeing how they play it. Look, some of these things don't don't make sense to us, but I'm going to trust the coaches. Yeah, that's all you can really do is trust the coaches. They see these guys and uh, know know their capabilities day in and day out, uh, unlike the rest of us. So I thought today needed to be about John Mechie from the slot and he didn't get as much run as I thought he needed as I thought he would get. That is a little bit of a concern. I think for a lot of people that have just been reading reports and hearing things from training camp, getting a chance to see Robert Woods catch balls from CJ Stroud. uh, I think was nothing but a good thing. Stroud was extremely accurate and Woods, I think showed you exactly what he's still very capable of as a uh, consistent pass catcher on this team. First play from scrimmage, Denzel Perryman with an interception. But after that, Stroud, the third and goal from the one. There's a delay of game. And then two straight incompletions, the delay of game. That's, you know, rookie coach, rookie offensive coordinator, rookie quarterback. It all looked very familiar if you're a Texans fan. Then the first incompletion due to an unblocked defender, Damian Pierce whiffed on. I think that's what you're referring to with him. The second looked, Sean, like a miscommunication on the route between Stroud and Schultz because if Schultz had kept going to that corner, it might have been a touchdown. Yeah, uh, clear miscommunication. And if you notice, you were watching the game, C.J. Stroud immediately ran over to Schultz. And, you know, they they t- they talked about exactly what had happened. And, you know, I, I don't know whose fault it was. I didn't go to the podium today where C.J. Stroud was after the game and Dalton Schultz was not seen nor heard from in the locker room afterwards uh but yeah i mean you you chalk it up to a miscommunication and that's something that you know we've constantly heard about cj stroud when a mistake like that is made he's right on top of it to fix it and he's not going to make that mistake again it's just about that familiarity that chemistry getting on the same page um instead it just that didn't even look like a real route that that schultz ran you know, typically when you see a guy stop like that, it it's on a stop, kind of a comeback. It looked like he he just kind of gave up on the play to me. I have to go back and rewatch it. Well, but. The other thing is it's 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 a fourth and goal. So if you don't get in the end zone, he stopped two yards short of the, of the end zone, and there was a defender right behind him. So if he caught, caught the ball where he stood, you know, and maybe the defender wasn't supposed to be there based on a route combo or something like that. But if he catches the ball where he should, he's going to be stopped anyway. He's probably not getting yeah. in the end zone. I mean, I know Schultz is, might be able to, you know, break a tackle or something yeah. like that. But it would have been tough because his back was to the defender. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But, um, you know, look, from what we've all seen in Dalton Schultz, you know, in, in the last few years as a member of the Dallas Cowboys and really some things that I've noticed uh, from him, particularly in training camp, he'll get you that extra couple of yards after the catch. Uh, he's so darn strong and can kind of sink his hips and leverage his body and get that extra little push. I would have liked to have seen that. Uh, you saw it actually earlier. He caught three other balls today. And uh, on a couple of them in which I think, you know, it was the one they might have been the first pass that Schultz caught. Uh, Stroud took a little bit of a rush and he kind of pumped and then had to adjust his arm angle and throw it over the top. And Schultz kind of did a little stutter in his route, which caused two defenders to kind of uh, crash down on him. He kind of anchored down and lowered his shoulder and ended up getting a couple of more yards out. That's kind of what I was hoping to see develop on that fourth uh, and goal situation obviously we didn't and you know what I don't know if the delay of game was on you know Stroud if it was uh on Slowick just the communication again first time play caller you know it's a quick turnaround maybe you don't have the play that you're really like in that situation ready um those are all things that are possibilities that definitely need to be worked on yeah, and Adam mentions the uh, rushing yards, and we're going to get to that later because that stat was going to come up for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm sure if anybody looked at the stats, you noticed it. We're going to talk about it in a second. But let's go to that second Stroud drive because he's five for six. Yeah. It's really the definitive drive of him for the preseason so far. It leads to a field goal. The one incompletion was on third down. Stroud's pass was on the money to Noah Brown. Xavier Howard made a really nice last-second deflection, Sean. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really good throw again by Stroud, who showed you uh, you know just how accurate he is on that drive. Uh, he threw some terrific balls uh, to Nico Collins, Noah Brown, Robert Woods, uh, just on the money. Balls where only they could get to him, you know, where he was leading them in their route, whether it be a crosser, an out, or a dig. Um, that ball that you're talking about, it was it was a good throw, but a much better play. Um, from Xavier uh, Howard, who had a rough day at practice on Wednesday. The Texans were routinely. Oh, yeah, I, I heard about <laughs> that. Yeah, th this was the accuracy that we just didn't see from Davis Mills the last couple of years. You know, I just if anybody forgot, he, he would miss guys by five or 10 yards on a five or 10 yard throw last year. And yeah. CJ Stroud just I, I don't see him doing that unless there has been a miscommunication or a pass rush that's made him rushed him that's maybe rushed him a little bit so far in the preseason. Yeah. We're not seeing that. And you know, the big thing for me, Sean, is somebody said, Oh, his numbers look the same accuracy wise as Davis Mills. Oh, they're worse because he was seven at twelve. Watch the game, guys. Watch the game because we just talked about the first drive. We had the we had the uh basically the miscommunication on one play. We had the Damian Pierce which basically made him have to throw the ball away really quick or he was going to get sacked. You had the Noah Brown drop in the pass. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that's going on that he had nothing to do with, Yeah, but, you know, and, and boom, boom, boom. I think there was only one pass that I would say I was a little bit off. I think it was one to Nico or something like that, but that, that was it. Yeah, that one and maybe the uh, well, and then look the the pass rush, um, you know, contributed to it. I think it was the, uh, the, the attempt, uh, on that first on that first series to Andrew Beck, uh, you know, which it wasn't even in the same zip code. As yeah, Andrew no, Beck. that that's the one I was I mentioned to start with, but I I want to say maybe the third or fourth drive, 
There was one to Nico that it just yeah. seemed like he was just a he was just a hair off on that one. So I mean, yeah. if if you look at oh, and you talk about and and Adam brings this up, and I'll pull up what he says. You know, he said he looked good just considering the offensive. I thought the offensive line wasn't bad, and I think you did too. But he mm. said the the drop passes by third string receivers. Well, Noah Brown, second string receiver. Remember that play where he rolls it? I mean, basically he has a guy in his face immediately, unblocked, the rolls bootleg. out left. Yeah. yeah he Not uh bootleg that he was supposed to make. It was a bootleg that he had to make. And he's, and he's running left and he throws it 15 or 20 yards down the field. And Noah Brown's got, you know, NFL receivers got to make that catch. Bottom line. Oh yeah. That was the one that was really low and he slide. I mean, it hit him right in the chest. I, you know, it was it was a hell of a throw, you know, after spinning out of that pass rush uh, to extend that play. You're right. I remember that one. And it's a hell of a throw to make, but it's still a very difficult play for Noah Brown to make on an extended play like that. You know, it's uh, th- those are those are plays that are going to be made that just come with time. You know, the more C.J. Stroud experiences that, the more he has to show his elusiveness, the more he has to show what he can do off script like that. That's just going to come with time. You know, and look, Noah's an experienced receiver. He'll tell you right now today, you know what? I should have made that catch. Seven-year veteran, he should make that catch. He's he's looking at himself like, hey, you know what? I'm an ascending guy in this league. I should be able to make that play. I got to be there for my quarterback when he makes a great play to extend something like that for me. So, yeah, that's just going to come with time. I'm not going to kill either one of those guys. Well, for that. We we always but, talk about it, Sean. You know, this is the difference between being in the NFL and not being in the NFL. If you get both hands on the ball, you're supposed to catch it, you know, unless, unless, yeah. unless it gets a fingertip or something like that. And it's a, it's a little bit high and whatever, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it, typically if you get both hands on it, unless somebody's there to knock it out, which I don't think anybody knocked it out of Noah's hands, you're supposed to catch it. No. And you know, that that's why the Texans receiving core, everybody's very skeptical of it because these guys are not guys that everybody trusts a lot, you know, as far as making plays. I'm more talking about making plays, not just, you know, yeah. making a routine catch. But you know, Brown had a really good catch on on the design bootleg, uh, where Stroud had to roll out. It was a fourteen yard gain, got two feet in real quick on that right sideline. That was a tremendous play, great ball placement. It was uh it was it was about as good as you could get. And, you know, more times than not, when C.J. Stroud puts it where it's supposed to be, his receivers in camp so far, and certainly today on that drive, they've made the play. Uh, so to me, that's encouraging. What I needed to see from C.J. Stroud today to make me feel comfortable after very limited action last week, 11 snaps, just two or four through the air, you didn't get to see much at all. I needed to see a sustained drive. I didn't necessarily need to see him go score a touchdown. I didn't need to see him play, you know, the whole first half like he did. And I'm glad he did. I'm glad he got opportunities to go out there and build off of mistakes, but build off of successes as well, which I also think is important. I needed to see him sustain a drive, go through those adversities within a drive and and just kind of recoup, readjust and and just go. And we saw that. I mean, 11 plays, what did it take, uh, you know, six, seven minutes or something like that? Eight-minute drive, I think. The 11-play, 61-yard drive, maybe it was a little bit more. I can't remember. Uh, for the 35-yard field goal, that, that was huge to me. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, we'll see what the rest of this, what, what next week kind of shows us in the joint practices with the Saints. But 
he may not get another look in the third preseason game. This may be it. You know, you don't see him again until September 10th. And that that's just going to be the way that it is. There's so much time. But he's he's QB1, man. They haven't said it. They're not they're probably not going to make this big announcement. But he's QB1, and it kind of confirmed it for me today um, just in that drive alone. Yeah, D'Amico said there's nothing new on that front. But he also said he liked what he saw from Stroud today. And not a lot of good came out of this game. But two guys that matter the most. We know who they are. Obviously, Stroud, who had the moments, and then Will Anderson, who blew yeah. up that Dolphins' third possession, trucking the running back, causing the two a fumble, all in one motion. Sean, that that was a you know one of the definitive plays that we've seen in the preseason. Just first wow play uh, in the NFL for the Texans, and it was a hell of a one. I, I can only imagine uh, what he was thinking, and he kind of gave us a little uh, you know. A peek behind the curtain, what was going through his head. You know, when the tight end left in motion, going right to left. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen Will Anderson in college come off of the edge just untouched. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're just giving this guy free reign and then to have, who is it? I think it was uh, Salvin Ahmed. Uh, nice day for the Dolphins, but not on that play. I mean, he, he just might have well gotten out of the way and just straight up Olaid Will Anderson, but he just plowed over Ahmed and into Skylar Thompson, forcing the fumble, and that was fantastic. Anderson was asked, like, hey, what's it like seeing that there's just a running back between you and a quarterback? And he's like, hey, man, they designed the play. They knew what was coming, <laughs> and they made that decision. That's on them. And I, I, I think I – think you already know this, but it was just kind of confirmed for you once again today uh, because he's been doing this in camp. He's just a disruptor. He's going to be a problem, a problem in the backfield. And you know what's a really positive thing? I don't know if you were going to bring this up or not. I think you and I actually discussed this the other day. Uh, like guys that we should be talking about that were not because they're not standing out at practice. You asked me about Jonathan Grenard. You saw him today. Guy's going to be disruptive. When he's healthy, he's a disruptor for uh, for the Texans defensively. Tackle for loss, that was a big one. Yeah. Stroud's third drive fell apart with a bad shotgun snap. Hard to tell if that was on the rookie juice scrugs for doing a little bit high, but it hit Stroud in the hands. Probably should have made it, so it was yep. a three and out. The fourth drive, we talked about what happened with that one. The Noah Brown play, that's how that drive ends, which, uh, you know, just a lot of drop passage. I mean, I... I counted maybe seven or eight drop passes. Catoriano, I believe, had two of them, Sean. It was it was a lot. Yeah. Uh, you talking about total? Like, yeah, in, yeah. In I was game. like, so I, I, I was starting to add them up, and it was about well, seven yeah. or eight. Yeah, I mean, it felt like it felt like more than that, <laughs> to be honest with you, watching this one. But you're probably right. And, of course, you might be like me. You just kind of lose count of, like, the big plays like I did with the Dolphins. Just seem to be reeling them off, like, every couple of downs. But, yeah, um, and it's disappointing because Tegan's been really consistent uh, as a pass catcher in camp, you know, in, in limited reps because <laughs> that's a stacked room. And, you know, he'd been dealing with a little bit of injury, uh, the tight end room has been kind of up and down. You know, Schultz, Tomlinson, Shrek. You've got Dalton Keenan there, Nick uh, Vanett, uh, Tegan Quatoriano. Like, that is that is a position group that is a lot of competition going on, similarly to the offensive line with the tackling guard positions and the drops today uh, just in general. I mean, they are a concern. 
But again, let's focus on really the positive here. Your QB1 is C.J. Stroud, and the opportunities that he gave his receivers, more times than not, they came down with them, and it was on the money. So I well, think Davis Mills is the one that should be upset because right. he there was probably six drops on Davis Mills. Catoriano had a couple, and Stephen Sims. Um, I, I mean, there's a, a laundry list of guys. You're right. You're right. And I don't mean to gloss over that um, because to give Davis Mills his you know due credit, all camp, you can see the difference in Mills. Like, yes, he still struggles somewhat with his accuracy on some of those intermediate to deeper throws down the field. Um, but on the crossing routes and, you know, these digs, these out routes that are very prevalent in this offense, Mills is showing improvement. Sean, he looks pro. like a first-round pick right now. If anybody out there is listening, another NFL team, we'll take a couple of first round picks for Davis Mills. He's he's looking better and better, man. Come on. Yeah, I don't know about first round pick, but uh, he's, <laughs> he's he's improved. You got to give him his credit. Um, I, I think it's I think it speaks a lot. And look, he should be. I mean, this is a, a third year guy, and in this system that is quarterback friendly. And I don't know if I spoke about it with you, uh, you know, this past week or not, but. We'd heard Keenum talk about it. We've heard Slowick talk about it, how friendly the system is. I, I still didn't really understand why. Like, what, what is it? It's not the terminology, you know, because the terminology in the system can be very complex, very long, very wordy kind of stuff. What is it that makes this really that friendly? We know it's not the lack of volume of plays. I came to the realization watching these joint practices this week, paying attention, and you saw it today. The creative ways that Bobby Slowick is getting the receivers the ball and how much easier it is for a quarterback to do so. Nico Collins coming in motion, the roundabout bubble screen, the crossing patterns, uh, the digs. The routes are designed to come into the vision of the quarterback, not for the quarterback to scan the entire field, Right. He, the progressions are not necessarily like, okay, left to right or right to left, whatever the case may be. These routes are designed to enter the quarterback's field of vision to where it's very easy for him to see what's coming, what's there, what's not there. If a linebacker's dropping into zone, if he's sinking down on the screen, you know, uh, whatever the case may be, you saw all of those things today, but we've been watching it specifically this past week in camp. I understood it. That's why it's quarterback friendly. And I think the more and more, this was such a huge week because you're watching a Mike McDaniel coached offense that their defense sees this all the time. Their defense was prepared for C.J. Stroud and this offense this week. You saw him once, twice, and on the third time, C.J. Stroud probably looked as good as he had at any point, in my opinion, throwing the ball to his receivers. That is a huge plus. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to move to the defensive side of the ball for a second. We'll talk about the general stuff. Before I do that, linebacker Henry Toa Toa, we heaped praise on him in the first game for being in all the right spots, but he looked lost in this one, Sean. Uh, you know, one really stuck, uh, stood out to me, and it was the touchdown that uh, Berrios caught on him. And that was a play that took a little bit of time to develop. I think uh, Skylar Thompson had gotten flushed from the pocket, had to extend the play a little bit. It's a tough ask for any linebacker to 
you know, cover for that long. However, Toa Toa is an athlete. We know that he's got the propensity to do that. That is a ball. That is a play that he's at least got to contest better than. I mean, it, was, it wasn't just that, yeah. though, Sean. It was on the run plays. I was watching him, and they were gashing the Texans, and we're going to get to the, the numbers on that in a second. But he was just – he was picking bad angles. He was running into offensive – he looked like the linebackers that we've seen with the Texans. Like I said, this looked like – the old school Texans, and and he was a big part of that because he came into the game in the second quarter. This is not somebody that was with everybody else in Davis Mills in the third quarter. Yeah. He was there earlier in the game, and you know he he's a guy that you just you got to you're gashed to the run, running game. That's the guy. He's the responsibility, and right. and that's an issue. You're you're right, but it was an issue for every linebacker today. You know, Jake Hansen looked absolutely horrendous. Even Denzel Perryman, who, you know, had the great play on the first play of the game at the interception and near pick six. Look, he missed a tackle today that he should have had on a run over the left side. Running back cuts back, hits the middle. Jalen Petrie nearly had two missed tackles today. Seeing a lot of bad angles, a lot of reaching, you know, arm tackling. Um, that's a yeah. problem. And that, that's I don't want to hear the greatness of Jalen Petrie until he starts making tackles, man. Well, uh, that's that's something that obviously has to improve. Now he's he's great in a lot of other areas. We know that uh, dude's dude's been a ball hawk and uh, shown um, you know some some vast improvement there. He was already really good coming in, but yeah. But if you're a good if you're a good ball hawk and a guy that's going to get an interception, you're, you're lucky if you get one per game. Tackles, you're going to have to do a lot more, and yeah. if you can't do that well, that's bad. You are. You are. Um, but because, you know, the defensive line did such a bad job of setting the edge today, they got loose a number of times on the edge. You know, early on, um, well, you go back to that first, I think it was the first play of the second series. It was Malik Collins. It was Jacob Martin. And I want to say Will Anderson was in on it as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. He was in there. You talk about was, where they got him at the one or two. It was, yeah. a, T, it was a TFL. Uh, but it was also like was a, like, I mean, that's a Miami mess up too. They they just they looked like they didn't know what they were doing on that one. So I well, you know, the very my point uh, is is the very next play, Ahmed came right back and gashed him up the middle for seven oh, yeah. yards. Yeah, and and that kind of to me established like the tone. It was like oh, we got we got to tighten up here. And you saw a lot of over pursuing on the edge. Guys not playing with their eyes up, not sealing. Um, and you saw a number of times in the next drive, and they went on that really long, like 82-yard drive, I think, on their third series. They were hitting right edge, left tackle, middle, cutback, you know, and just kind of bouncing stuff. Now, again, Ahmed had a fantastic day. Uh, <laughs> Moster, you know, had some good, good, uh, good plays today as well. It's no excuse. Sheldon Rankins talked about it afterwards, and he said something very honest. We're asking him about, you know, hey, what, what's going on with the run defense? You know, because it's looked really good to this point in camp. Uh, you know, what did you see today? He didn't say this, but I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Keep in mind, this is the third time, you know, the Dolphins are seeing what the Texans are doing defensively. And somebody is going to have an advantage, you know, to some degree. The Texans had theirs early. The Dolphins had theirs, you know, a little bit later and more consistent. But Rankins was like, you know what? It's no excuse, but just fundamentally 
did a horrible job of setting the edge. We did a horrible job of our hand placement, not getting off of blocks, not sitting in our gaps, and just things that guys should know better. That is a little concerning to me for a defense, and you hear D'Amico Ryans talk about it all the time. Fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. When everything else fails, you know that you can rely and, you know, rest your cap on fundamentals. You'll always have that to go back to. And I think you just saw so many fundamental mistakes today from the D-line to the linebackers to just simple tackles that should be made, runs that went that should have gone for two that went for 16, that went for 13. You know, the 65-yard run, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. And I, I, I think, yes, it's a concern until it's not. But again, this wasn't going to be a flip the switch kind of a thing. Yes, they're improved talent wise, schematically, you know, they're a much better coach team. They've got some dogs out there. It's just going to take a little bit of time. I still think it's going to be improved, but maybe pump the brakes on anticipating this run defense being top 20, top 15 this season, at least right off the bat. No question about that. The Texans, two of 12 on third down, the Dolphins, nine of 14 on third down. And just a Punctuate the difference between the Dolphins and the Texans. 205 rushing yards to 32 for the Texans for 2.3 yards per carry on 14 carries, Sean. And, you know, the Texans offensive line, maybe it was a little bit of them. I, I don't know if the running backs got the most out of what they could with some of those plays, but it was both ends. It was both ends. And that's it. That's the issue with the Texans is that's the stuff that they're going to have to get better. But obviously, you're going to see a lot more of Damian Pierce running the football once we get yeah. into the regular season. I, I got to go back and watch, you know, for that kind of a sp- that kind of stuff, you know, in terms of the run game and, you know, why it was so flawed. But I will say this, particularly on that uh, 11 play drive, the second series for the Texans and CJ Stroud, what I did like is it was a really well-balanced attack in terms of what they tried to do through the air and on the ground with the run. I thought, what they did in the run game uh, made the Dolphins respect what they had to do in the pass game. I mean, look, this is this is the first time I'd seen C.J. Stroud himself run bootleg in this offense. I'd seen Davis Mills do it. Uh, I'd seen Case Keenum do it. I hadn't seen C.J. Stroud do it, and it looked natural. It looked good. And I think uh, Mike McDaniel's like a, a genius. He's smart uh, in many, many more ways than just football smart. He respects the athleticism and the talent that maybe a lot of people sleep on with C.J. Stroud. And I guarantee you that he probably had his made sure his defense understood that, hey, you got to respect what this guy can do with his legs. If he gets loose on the edge, he'll pull it down and make some runs. He did it in joint practices this week. So yeah, I that's what I was going to ask you respect. that. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Um, are you see because we haven't seen it really in these preseason games. Are you seeing – design runs for cj stroud in these practices not designed i i can't tell you a hundred percent if i'd seen a designed run but what i what i think i've enjoyed and i'll I'll put it this way like respected about cj's game is that while look yes it's fair to criticize him for holding the ball too long he just wants to freaking make a play I've seen a number of times, not just this week in the joints, but, uh, you know, throughout camp. Hell, the first snap that C.J. Stroud took in preseason with the ones, he pulled it down and ran and got like a 19-yard gain. 
Okay. And that wasn't like, a, ooh, would that have been a sack? You know, no, it was, he recognized my read's not there. I'm pulling it down. I'm going. I've seen that a number of times. So I like the instinctual football that CJ Stroud has played with in camp. Um, and I think, you know, you got to see a little bit of that elusiveness, a little bit of that uh, propensity to like, you know, I can make this play. I can make this play, but it's not a silly. It's it's not like he's trying to force anything. Again, the ball that he you know tried to get to Noah Brown on that sliding attempt that hit him right in the chest, right through his hands. Maybe a play Noah Brown should make. But C.J. Stroud set that up, spun out of the pass rush, made a hell of a throw. Um, you know, extended play. What we haven't really seen is him step up in the pocket. And that's not necessarily his fault because a lot of the pass rush that he's faced is coming right up the damn middle. It ain't nowhere for him to step up. It's you got to get out left or right and make a quick decision. So uh, just time on that one. Any comments? Let us know because we're going to be out of here in a few minutes if there is no comments. Uh, well, last thing I want to touch on, Sean, we didn't have to mention penalties last week at all. But Sean, seven penalties this week, seven and I just feel that felt like there were some big ones in those seven penalties too. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, and it comes down to just discipline, you know, with, with, with guys. Um, I, I kind of want to go back and see like exactly who was making those, you know, the penalty, the bulk of those uh, penalties, because when you get in a preseason game, you know, guys are, you know, fighting for jobs and just kind of going all out, fighting for position. And so they're going to do some things. They're going to try to get away with some some things that maybe the reps won't catch in the game, but your coaches are damn well going to let you hear about it in film, you know, the following day. That can happen sometimes. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the holds, a lot of the false starts, like anything like that, you're just trying to gain a slight advantage against your opponent. Like, I don't necessarily worry about a lot of those because it's the preseason. It's you know, the guys that should know better, you know, your starters, your veterans. And again, that's something I'd have to go back and look at because I can't remember them off the top of my head. If it's, it's one thing, if it's like Laramie Tunsil, you know, false starting, starting early, that kind of a thing. It's like, come on, dude. You know, and we saw that last year. I think he probably led the damn league at his position in false starts. <laughs> that's something that's got to improve with him specifically. Um, but yeah, the penalties, it's always a concern. It's always something that, you know, just angers you a little bit as a coach because, they always believe, you know what, you're, you're athletic enough to make that play. You, you don't need to do that. You, you don't need to create this advantage. Like, you've already got to just be in position. So um, I, I think that's something that's uh, going to maybe be a, a hallmark or at least needs to be emphasized. A part of a D'Amico Ryan's defense particularly is one that's well-disciplined and trusting the defense because it's been a pretty consistent theme so far that they made plays in camp because – this scheme allows them to make plays in camp. They're in the right position to make plays. They got to trust that. Noel Mo 2000 says drops were killer. Uh, we talked about that earlier, uh, but yeah, that was an issue. There was a bunch of them. Uh, Schultz needed to finish running that route. He says, yeah, well, you know, I don't know what the design on the route was and we don't know. No, it looked like it, but. Yeah, it was a miscommunication in, to, in, in some regard. And uh, maybe CJ addressed that, you know, at the podium. I don't know what he'd said. I have to believe that he probably did. Um, and knowing CJ, he probably put it on himself. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Hopefully that's something they correct. Yeah, we may never know exactly what was what. Guys don't like to point fingers. That's kind of 
mm-hmm. the deal. Sean, anything else that comes to mind? Anything that you got from the locker room? I know a lot of the guys were bailing uh, on you pretty quick uh, after the game, this preseason game. They wanted to get out of there. No, nothing from the locker room. Just the only other thing that I'd say keep a keep an eye on. Like, think about this. This is the most you're going to see your starters, presumably, right? This this game today. So, you know, for the people out there, the fans, you know, watching, this is what you got. You probably ain't going to see very much, if hardly any any at all, in the third preseason game. But what you need to be watching for this week against New Orleans Saints, really two position battles, tight end. You know, who's it going to be outside of the obvious Dalton Schultz and presumably Tegan Quatoriano? Again, Eric Tomlinson got a lot of run uh, and looked really good in his opportunities this past week against the Dolphins with Mason Shrek, with Dalton Keene, which, you know, he's there. But Nick Vanett, he's gotten a little bit of uh, a run and, you know, taking advantage of some opportunities. I'm looking at tight end. But most importantly, offensive line. I want to see these position battles, you know, at the guard and tackle position, but specifically tackle and how much – time they're actually going to devote to Austin Deculus, who got the start in the second half with uh, the Mills unit today at right tackle. He hadn't looked good at all. Um, looks very, very raw for a second-year pro for a guy that, you know, had an opportunity to get a lot of mental reps last year um, and take advantage of running with the ones this year, didn't seize an opportunity. You had Dieter at center for your second unit today. You had Austin Deculus at right tackle. You had Killen Zire at uh, left tackle, Jimmy Morrissey was playing guard and, along with Jarrett Patterson, their sixth round pick, you know, who's also a guard center swing like Morrissey, like Michael Dieter. Uh, I want to see that position battle because with Titus Howard, I know he's in a softer cast again today. Uh, we'll see, you know, how that continues. Maybe he's ready for week one. Maybe he's not. But even if he is, you've got Titus Howard, you've got Laramie Tunsil, and um, you've got George Fant. Those are your three guaranteed locks at tackle for the Texans. Well, who else is it? You need a backup if somebody goes down. Obviously, you, you don't really worry too much about Laramie, but you need a serviceable body. Is it going to be, uh, you know, Tyler Beach? Is it going to be Killen Zire? Is it going to be Rashad Coward? Is it going to be Austin Deculus? I don't know. What, what, what's going like on it, with but... Charlie? What's going on with Charlie Heck? I mean, is this a, a few days? Even, is this a few months? Hey, man, I didn't even mention him because the dude looks really good walking around out there. You just ain't seen him in football pads. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on with him, but I think they like him. It's just... He might be a victim of circumstance and make he'll make this team if I, I think like his injury is just not too serious, which I don't think it is. But he probably starts the year on IR, if I have to guess, uh, because they like him so much. I, I, I don't know. We haven't heard anything. And D'Amico doesn't talk about injuries. And, you know, Chris Strouser didn't say anything when I spoke to him exclusively a week and a half ago uh, in regards to him. But. It's just a wait and see, and you just see how thin they really are at that position. But it's important. Um, they've got a lot of guys that can go center guard. I don't worry about that too much. Um, I do worry about the fact that Kenyon Green, who started and played the whole time of the first team today, looked okay. Uh, though I want to go back and look and see what he looked like in the pass rush when uh, Stroud was uh, flushed from the pocket a couple of times. Um, you know, and forced to make some errant throws on that uh, second series or first series, whatever it was, in the red zone. But I just think you need to watch the offensive line. That's where I think you're going to see maybe the most interesting, you know, stash of guys, maybe a surprise cut uh, going forward. August 29th, by the way, 3 o'clock Central Time is cut down day.
Yeah, one guy was asking here, uh, Noel Mo was asking, have any of the undrafted free agents earned a spot? And so at whose expense? Anybody that you can think of that looks like they might have a shot? Oh, undrafted free agents. Um, man, not off the top of my head, to be honest with you. Um, I, you know, if I can, can I give you one? And he showed you a little something today in the return game. Steven Sims, uh, I think, you know, look, NFL teams typically keep six receivers. I think Sims might be a seventh, maybe not just as a specialist specifically, but honestly as a, a guy that you could slide into that slot receiver role because, to be honest with you, John Mechie's coming along a lot slower than I anticipated, and he's really flatlined over the course of the last two weeks. Robert Woods, solid. Tank Dell, you saw he was held out today, probably just as a precaution. But you could use a little bit of depth there and a guy that can consistently catch. Steven Sims had a horrible two weeks of training camp to start, but he has been on his game as a pass catcher. So he is might there, be one guy to keep an eye on. Is there a drastic difference between him and, say, Desmond King or Tank Bell? I mean, in return? In return yeah, because I don't see him keeping three little guys like that at receiver. Do you? Well, you know, uh, Des King, and you know, is a return guy. That that's somebody that Frank just Frank Ross, their special teams coordinator, just really trusts. I mean, he's just so consistent. But Stephen Sims, in that regard, just you saw the wiggle, the quick burst, the quickness, lateral movement today, uh, just making guys miss, lowering the shoulder, you know, getting an extra five six yards out of a play. I mean, that's what you like, and very similar to Tank Dell in that regard. But the biggest difference is Tank is a dude that just sees it and goes and good luck catching them. If you give them a little bit of a crease, um, I don't know how much we're going to see of tank. I, I haven't seen him do too much, you know, like flashy stuff in the return game. I know he had that like 13 yard punt return against the Patriots last week, but I feel like that's Des and I feel like that's Steven, you know, like good couple of options, change of pace guys there for Frank Ross to work with. But if Steven Sims makes this squad, it's going to be because he provides a little bit of depth to the receiver position as well. And he's earned it to this point. Yeah. You and I, we're going to get later this week, we're going to get into maybe some more of the cut guys. Cause I know you, you've been sort of trying to sort that out as we uh, yeah. are get closer and closer to the last preseason game. I just want to say, too, like, I apologize for not being, like, off the top of my head, undrafted free agents. Like, I got to have a list kind of, like, in front of me, and I want to take the time, waste everybody's time right now looking at it. But nobody pops off the top of my head right now. And, um, look, I did my mock 53 a couple of days ago, and I comfortably got to 50. <laughs> and there's three spots where I'm like – and none of the none of those guys, uh, you know, that I had, you know, as for sure locks or even bubble guys were undrafted free agents, uh, to to my recollection. So I think it's a big week for those bubble guys. There's not a lot of them, but it's a big week, specifically offensive line, tight end, maybe wide receiver. Uh, we'll see what happens at the linebacker core. You know, Christian Kirksey, according to the D'Amico Ryan's update, what two weeks ago, almost, he's supposed to be ready around uh, the end of this next week. Uh, ahead of the Saints game. So we'll see. But right now, that dude feels like a cap casualty and a cut just because of the amount of money the Texans could uh, say, which is an upwards of $6 million. So don't be surprised that uh, if he's not wearing a Texans uniform, though, don't be surprised if he is just because of the linebacker core, you know, and, and the lack of depth there. Looks really good sometimes in practice, but 
experience does matter. Veterans do matter. Healthy bodies matter more, though. And so you're going to have to see how they weigh, you know, Blake Cashman, who wasn't active today. He had soft tissue issue, I think, with his hamstring, kept him out today. Henry Toa Toa, a lot is not expected of this guy right now, even though he's looking like he could step in, got some run with the ones today, but you saw some of the errors, the mental errors, and, um, you know, the the shortcomings of a young player in a, in a new defense for him today. So maybe Christian Kirksey does find a way on this roster if he's healthy, really healthy. Just the last thing I'll say real quick, and then you can finish up before we close it out. The Texans have one preseason game left to go. They didn't look good in this one, and the backups really look bad. And I assume we're going to see a lot of the backups in the third preseason game fighting for roster spots like we typically do in the last preseason game. So, I mean, I'm not expecting to look at the last preseason game and go, oh, I'm way more excited about the season than I was after this preseason game. Unless C.J. Stroud has, they play him and he has a big first quarter, quarter and a half or however long they want to play him. Yeah, um, you're going to see a lot of Davis Mills and potentially E.J. Perry in that third preseason game. Though I say that kind of tongue in cheek. Um, what Case Keenum hasn't practiced in about four days. Um, you know, that's maybe it's been longer than that. I mean, I'm clearly since, you know, the Patriots game, he's got the sleeve on his left leg, some soft tissue injury there. Um, maybe they're just being precautious because they know they're going to need him for that third preseason game, or at least they'd like to have him. Maybe get some more run. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a lot more Davis Mills because I, I don't, no, ultimately, none of us do their thinking in terms of how they're going to proceed. C.J. Stroud, definitely QB1. Um, Case Keenum is going to be on this team. Hopefully, he's healthy enough to you know be able to step in if needed. If Davis Mills continues to show this type of improvement and comfortability within this offense and that he does belong somewhere in some role in this league, Texans going to go with three quarterbacks? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. We see teams do it every once in a while. The Patriots did it last year. 49ers obviously did it last year for different reasons. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, you're going to see a lot of twos and threes. And I just don't think that that game ultimately is going to mean, you know, jobs are being won and lost against the Saints. Because the joint practices, the coaches have talked about it a number of times, they mean more to them than really these preseason games do because of the controlled environment, because it is legitimate 1v1. It's the last opportunity you're going to get to see it before the regular season. Yeah, we should mention, yeah, those, those scrimmages are coming up against the Saints this week too, so that's absolutely a huge thing. And unfortunately, fans, everybody can't be out there to watch those preseason games. I know we would all like to be out there on the 110 degree heat watching what's going on, but we just can't do it. Um, just a reminder to everybody that's out there watching, listening, tell your friends, Sean, he's got the insight. He's out at NRG. He's out at practice. Uh, great inside stuff. We, we do post games throughout the season, live post games. Um, it'll be an hour to an hour and a half after the game, following the home games, the road games, we'll try to get you right after the game. So just to keep that in your notes and tell your friends about us, tell your relatives, uh, tell your coworkers that uh, we're, to go, we're the place to go for Astros, Rockets, and Texans. That's all for this one. We out. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. 
Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.